Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Moms Show. Liberty Moms are the original Secretaries of Defense. We are the real defenders of the home front. We are there when it comes to our families and our communities. I am your host today, Delaine England, and I have a great guest, another Liberty Mom, Wendy Hart. Welcome, Wendy. Hey, Delaine. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. I, you know, I just realized because you're such a good friend, and I'm like, I didn't even like come up with a bio or anything from you. So <laughs> I am just like, Wendy's a Liberty mom. I think that is the best bio you can have, but I'm going to let you, you know, give your, your bio for us. You can introduce all your great accomplishments. Oh, all my great accomplishments. <laughs> um, so I am, let's see. I'll list all of them. We don't have that much time. So, I, I, I live in Highland. Um, I've been here for about 22 years. I'm the mom of three, which is the most important thing. Uh, I was able and honored to serve the residents of Highland, Alpine, and Cedar Hills on the Alpine School Board for eight years. Um, I have a math degree from BYU, and I am a database programmer by trade, and I'm very, very interested in elections. So... You are an in integrity in elections, and you are an amazing researcher, which really came in super handy with when you're on the school board, because you did such an amazing job on the school board, because you didn't just go in there and just go rubber stamp what everybody told you. You did your own due diligence, you did your research, and you were, you were incredible, and we all miss you very much on there, but understand you need to get on with your life, so you served well. <laughs> So we're going to talk, speaking of voter integrity, we're going to talk about voting today. We're going to be talking about ranked choice voting. And this is kind of a new voting that has taken the country by storm. And it is like the critical race theory and ranked choice voting are two things that seem to come up in almost every conversation mm -hmm. that I'm having with people. And people are all over the map with it. It isn't like liberals love it, conservatives hate it. It's like a mix. It's not really partisan. It really seems, I see a lot of conservatives that really like it. And mm -hmm. I see cons some concerns with it. And so um, I obviously haven't studied it as much as you have because practically hardly anybody in the world has. And so <laughs> that's why we wanted to have you on and talk about it and help to educate people so we can all make really informed decisions. We know that without the vote, we have no liberty. There is no freedom without a, a, without a vote of integrity. If our vote doesn't Correct. count, we don't want it watered down. We don't fraud. We don't want fraud. We don't want Jimmy Jim um, gerrymandering done with votes. It, our vote is essential to our republic. We can't possibly save it without that. And as Lenin said, let everyone vote. What matters isn't who votes. What matters is who counts the vote. And I think that is 
extremely important <laughs> in this discussion. What matters is who counts the counts votes. The vote. Yeah. Well, and so you bring up a good point because if you go around and you ask people, the average person, and you say, so what would you change about elections? Nobody is going around saying, you know what? I think we need to find a different way of counting the vote. If you say one person, one vote, does that seem fair? I don't think you find anybody out there that says, yeah, no, I think some people should be able to vote more times than, than other people. Ranked choice voting, just to give a brief introduction, is the idea that you have, say, five candidates that are running for mayor. And instead of picking the one in, you know, doing all of the mental calculus in your mind beforehand and saying, I'm going to vote for Delane for mayor, and everybody gets to vote that one time, and then, then they count up and they say, whoever got the most votes wins. It's very simple, very straightforward, and it gives an accurate representation of the support that the candidate actually wins with, right? So if you get 37% support, well, you may have gotten enough to win, but that doesn't mean that you made a coalition and you have a mandate. And I think that's important. So for transparency, our current system is phenomenal on the transparency aspect. It's very easy. You know, it's that KISS principle, keep it simple, stupid, uh, you know. Or silly, keep it simple, silly. <laughs> and and it's one person, one vote, which is fundamental. Yes. Um, rank choice voting, you instead take five people and uh, you rank them in order. I like this person first, this person second, this person third, this person fourth. And maybe I don't like the fifth person at all, so I don't rank them at all. And then based on how everyone else votes and ranks their candidates, then it's determined who got the least number of votes. That person is removed and then they go on and, and that the people that voted for that person first, they go to their second choice. And it's, it's a very convoluted process. Um, you know, we, we've used it in the GOP before. It works out nicely for caucus because it's fast, um, but there are an awful lot of problems associated with it. And, and one of those comes back to this idea of consent of the governed, that if you don't really know who you're voting for, why, um, everything about ranked choice voting, in my opinion, waters everything down to give an illusion that there's more support behind the eventual um, elected official than there actually is. So um, should I keep going? I got one more point. So, the well, other thing is, I was oh, I just wanted to ask you a question about that. So take out like if you do ranked choice voting by paper uh -huh. at like a caucus, what is the problem with doing it by paper versus like, obviously, there's other issues with the machine, but how mm -hmm. does it, how, how is it dangerous in, if you just do a paper ballot at a caucus meeting? Okay, so there are two issues with it at a caucus meeting. The first one um, is just the idea of changing your mind in between rounds. Mm -hmm. So anytime, if, I, I believe that a voter needs to have the most up-to-date current information and that they should be able to make a decision at any point along that route. So if you're in real doing, time, in real time. So if you're doing multi-round voting at caucus, then everybody votes once and then you can see how the votes lay out. And then at that moment, you can determine and say, oh, well, so-and-so had a lot more support than I thought. And I actually prefer them over who I voted for. And you can actually change your vote. A ranked choice vote. 
voting, you don't get to see that interim. Um, you know, you can't delay, you can't change your vote. And, and you also don't know the order, you know, you, you think it's going to go to your first choice, second choice on down, but the way that everybody else votes influences that. And so the outcome may end up being completely different than what you had intended. So that's the first problem. The second problem has to do with a multi-seat race. So um, the, the easiest one to explain would be like city council. There are three seats open for city council. And so normally we vote for three, up to three people and they count the votes and whoever gets the top three wins. Um, in a multi-seat race, that doesn't always give everybody a chance to have to weigh in with three different candidates. So as an example, in Payson in 2019, they did rank choice voting for um, city council. There were three seats open and uh, about 20, it was like 24.9%. So about 25% of the voters voted for one person three times. And it's not, I mean, you don't know this when you're filling out your ballot. It's not anything that they did. This is what, after it's all done, you can go back through and I can show anybody that's interested why that's the case. But it was because of the, the influence of everybody else's ballot and how those, um, those candidates were eliminated. And so there were 691 people that voted for the same candidate for all three seats in city council race. So they got one choice three times. Other people might have had five votes tallied and towards the, you know, so so you don't know how that's going to work out. And if if we're doing a caucus where we're voting for six county delegates, you're going to run into the same. Some people will be able to vote for one person six times and other people will be able to vote for six or eight different people. And it's the. The, the, the terminology is hard because vote by vote, I mean, your vote being tallied for that person. You vote for whomever, but, you know, is it counted or is it just as if you never voted for anybody other than that first choice? Is that clear? <laughs> it's clear as much. Yes, it is clear because yes. I do understand it because I have voted with it before. And um, I, I think it would be really service to kind of play the devil's advocate and kind of talk about some different scenarios. We are going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back and finish talking about choice rank voting. listening to the Loving Liberty Network. I'm your host today of the Liberty Mom Show, Delane England, and I have Liberty Mom Wendy Hart with us. Thank you so much, Wendy. So we were talking about ranked choice voting and then how if it's in real time. So when I'm going to vote, I can vote for who I want um, with ranked choice voting. I am vote for everybody at once. And so then I just prioritized and and that makes it fast and easy and efficient. 
The problem is I make that decision. I don't know what is really going to happen by the time we get to the second, third, fourth, and fifth votes, rounds, where if the regular voting is real time, so then I can make a decision. Again, everybody can vote, and then I can see, oh, I really like Wendy and Kristen, and they're super close, but um, or, or you know, Wendy got a lot more votes than Kristen did, and I like both of them, but Wendy got a lot more. So instead of voting for Kristen, I'll go ahead and vote for Wendy because I have more, a higher chance of getting someone I want in office if I use my vote to get her in. Now, somebody, some would call that maybe gerrymandering or, or conniving, and I would call it strategy. And so what, what's the drawback of What's the drawback of having real time? Like, what do people not like about that? Um, Well, I mean, you can attribute strategy and gerrymandering to everything, right? The question, Uh, though, is that um, different people vote for different reasons. And to tell people why they should vote or that they need to put their vote in, you know, in at this point and never change their mind, the argument that ranked choice voting allows you to more fully express the will of the voter, I think is actually inaccurate because if I go through and I decide on one person that I am going to vote for, I've done all the mental calculus in my head already. And so then at that point I make the decision and, and I own it. Um, Whereas with ranked choice voting, I'm allowing you to have an influence on my vote. And I think that's that's a problem. Okay, good point. So here, here's another interesting thing is that the legislature is being lobbied very hard by a couple of outside groups to um, push some sort of alternative voting. But the reality is between 2016 and 2020, there were 137 primary elections in Utah. Care to guess how many of those won with under 50? percent out of 137 um 20 23 total really 23 out of 137 Mm -hmm. really so this is a solution in search of a problem Mm -hmm. i mean we are going to revamp our entire voting structure that nobody is asking us to do other than the lobbyists for 23 elections that between so the, the county clerks um, association says it's about two to three percent that would actually change in that number. Right. That's less than one total in four years. Um, there's another study that said it could be as high as 18 percent, but that's only four elections in four years that we're going to change. Now, everybody wants election integrity, but this is going to ba- make it a lot harder to audit. Um, the, my understanding from one of our elections directors in Utah is that the way that you audit ranked choice voting is you feed it through one computer and get the answer. And then you buy a second backup, different system, feed it through that. And if you get the same answer, then, then they're considered correct. Right. Oh, wow. That is terrifying. That's that's how they're going to check the ballots? Yeah. Well, I mean, they can check the ballots. They can physically see that you voted. But as far as the outcome, they're trusting the computer. They're trusting the algorithm. So what if you... Which in itself is a problem. It is. It absolutely is. A really serious problem. You can't have voter integrity with a computer that can be programmed. 
that is the problem is you don't have anybody you don't have any poll watchers. It eliminates poll watchers. Right. right. How do you, yeah. How do you verify? You would watch somebody press the, the button on the computer and go, mm, hope that works. So. <laughs> well, plus what happens to a private secret ballot? If you have to watch somebody vote, then they don't have a secret ballot either. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is just, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's problematic. So it's we a, have to ask ourselves if election integrity yeah. Is election integrity more important than convenience? And hopefully Americans. Yeah. 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 So people yeah. fought, well, bled and died. So, you yeah, know. what we're giving up. I mean, yeah, it's faster. It is. Strength choice voting is fast. It's efficient. I know nothing about the Republic that is efficient. It's true. Try, to go, try going to a state central committee meeting, right, Wendy? Right, exactly. <laughs> Nothing efficient that. about it. And people just get so frustrated at how inefficient it is. I'm like, this is how a republic, you know, dictatorships are super, super efficient. <laughs> they yeah. are so efficient. One person makes a decision, put the mandate out there. That's what we're doing. Everyone obeys. Yes, sir. That's what we're doing. It is so efficient. But there is no liberty associated with it. There true. is no freedom associated with dictatorships. And, and the founders were very very clear about that. Our Republic is not going to be efficient. There's nothing efficient about Republics or democracies for that matter. But um, so that's what we have to decide as a nation is if we're willing to give up our freedom for convenience, Mm -hmm. which has been, which has been the question all along. Has it not? Yeah. Those who would give up some security or convenience safety for give up their freedom for safety or convenience will happen either. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, yeah. Okay. So what, what's another point that you wanted to make? I was going to ask you some questions, but I want to kind of, you're on oh, a roll. Yeah, no, that that was the one about the, the, the numbers, you know, it's, yeah. it's not really even an issue and yet we're spending so much time on this and people are, you know, I mean, you've got these organizations that are going around getting paid by big money to interest to go around to city after city after city to say, this is wonderful. Do it. The, I guess the other thing I would bring up is that one of the motivations for cities is that um, people are arguing that it's better because you can, you don't have to, but you can eliminate a primary election. And so then that cuts the cost to the cities in half. So the cities are looking at that seriously because it's a financial matter. But then we go back to, are there not certain things that are worth the price? And primary elections are very important for people who are just getting their feet wet in politics. You know, for me, a young mom that's like, I mean, I'm not young anymore, but when I ran, I was young uh, and, yes, you are. <laughs> and, 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 and said, Hey, I think I can serve on the school board. I have no money. I have no name recognition. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything at all about running a campaign and primary elections are very, very helpful for people like me. I have a friend who ran with me um, and won on the school board. She literally knocked 4,400 doors. And the primary election gives you the time and the ability to be able to do that and to compete on some level with the people that have all the money and all. That is so interesting because I just. So we're going to lose some of that. That is so interesting because I just had a conversation this morning with somebody um, about that very issue that saying that what happens is they they like ranked choice voting because they think it will 
lay a groundwork for more independence and more people that aren't so tied to the party to get in. So we do need to take a quick break. I want to talk about that because I think it's really important because I think a lot of people do want to allow people that aren't politicians, that aren't incumbents, that aren't super wealthy, to have a way to run and a, a way to actually win and to have more than just eternal or you know, just politicians that just keep getting elected. And I have nothing against wealthy people. I really like wealthy people, but I'd like to have that not be the only way that you get in office. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Thank you so much for staying with us. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Moms Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense. We are the real defenders of the home front, and we are there when it comes to our families and our communities. And this is Liberty Mom Delane England, and your host and my wonderful guest, Wendy Hart, Liberty Mom. And we are talking about ranked choice voting, and you will hear to it refer to as RCV. And so I, right before we went to break, Wendy, I was asking you, I think a lot of people, I've talked to quite a few people who actually think that ranked choice voting is going to make it easier for non-politicians, non-wealthy, the ordinary average person to run and win. They want to even the playing field and they are believing that RCD is going to be the answer to that. So how would you respond to that? Okay, so first of all, there's been an analysis done of 96 jurisdictions, and that doesn't happen. Okay, so just factually, the data doesn't support that. I know that's what the push is and what everybody believes. So let's let's do a little thought experiment here, okay? So um, let's say you're a, an in, a libertarian candidate. You're running for office, and I'm a Republican. Okay. And uh, let's say your producer, Brian, is the Democrat and you're the libertarian. One of the two of us, either the Republican or the Democrat, you're going to be more aligned with one or the other. Right. So usually the libertarians are a little bit closer to the the Republicans. Right. So under our current system, um, you could run or you could talk to me about, hey, I am going to run. And the possibility is that you will split the vote with me. And Brian will will win, right? Which right. you probably don't want. You would probably prefer me, right? Definitely. Um, no offense, so, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so under ranked choice voting, I actually think ranked choice voting was made to more more closely solidify the two party system, because if you run as the libertarian, you're going to automatically put me second, right? And so you run. Your voters put you first, they put me second, and I don't even have to pretend that you're even running 
because I know that I am going to inherit all of your sec- your first choice voters as the second choice. The only way that you win is if you get 50% at plus out of the gate, which your third party candidates are never going to get. You actually have a greater chance of winning in our current system because then you might only need 33% of the vote to win. So um, yeah, so it, it doesn't actually do that. It actually more closely solidifies. And I don't even have to, to try to appeal to your voters, your first choice voters, under ranked choice voting. If I were afraid of you running, I would probably need to change my message a little bit to see where I have more of my libertarian leanings if I'm the Republican, right? Mm-hmm. So if there were a, a particular issue that you were running on as the libertarian, I might kind of want to say, oh, but, you know, I mean, we, we share that, you know, in common. So if you elect me, then, yeah, I mean, I, I, I support that as well. So the third-party candidates can have an ability to change the debate and the discussion under our current system. Under ranked choice voting, they can be completely ignored and they are completely neutered as far as their ability in politics. So it's exactly 180 degrees from the story that you're being told on third parties. Right. Okay, now I have done ranked choice voting quite a few times in our local, in my county, and it wasn't through the machines or anything. It was kind of before that where, you know, we tried it out and we did that. And I found the outcome to be different than if we would, if we would have just voted on just voted and then seen what the outcome was. And in our County, you can't win without a majority. So you take your first ballot and then if somebody only gets 39%, then you vote again, which people don't like because it takes longer. It takes more time. Um, So what I have found, and I'd like to get your take on this, how the math works um, when what we found when I've done it before in three different cases, that it wasn't the first place winner that actually ended up winning. It was the, it was who got the most second place votes. You're the math expert. Tell me if that's right, or if it's just a freak thing or explain to me why it would be that the second place winner is the one who ends up taking the seat. Okay, so it often can be the case um, that that occurs. Um, it is a known that they actually have a term for it called monotonicity, which means that um, and and ranked choice voting doesn't ascribe to that principle. What that means is that the if I rank you first, I can only help you if it's a monotonicity. I don't even know what the word is, monotonic race. Okay. But under ranked choice voting, that's not always true because the order matters, right? And so depending on who gets elected or supported in what order and who gets eliminated, you can actually do your preferred candidate a disservice by voting for them first instead of second. But again, you probably wouldn't know that up front but you could see it after you looked at the results. So that's why I say everything's kind of watery. It's watered down and nothing is really clear because at least if I vote for a third party, um, you know, under our current system, I know that my candidate probably won't win. I know that I might be allowing another candidate that I don't really like to have a greater chance, but I do so fully knowing 
weighing my options. And this, I have no idea. It's very cloudy. So, and it does, like I said, it changes. And I've heard, you know, the the 96 jurisdictions report says it will change the outcome 18% of the time. So it will change it. Oh, interesting. So, you know, so yeah, it absolutely does change it. But it might, but, but it does so also by creating what's called a false majority, because it's only in that final round of voting that we're looking for a majority. And so, exactly. So mm-hmm. if people don't fill out everyone on their ballot, then sometimes those ballots are exhausted. You, there's nobody left mm-hmm. on those ballots. And then those are essentially set aside and it's as if they never voted. And so the majority that the person ends up winning with is the majority of those final set of ballots. Um, interestingly, in San Francisco in 2010, they had a 20 round ranked choice voting race where there were 9,000 ballots that were exhausted, AKA thrown out. And the winner won with only like 4,300 votes. So they won with 24% mm. of the total votes cast, but they claimed it was a majority under ranked choice voting because it was a majority in that final round of voting. Wow. That is really huge because I am that person who, if there's five candidates and then, my fifth candidate, I do not want them to win. I don't feel like casting a vote for them, so I will leave them off. And I know, because I've helped count votes before, when you do it manually, I've helped count them. And once a person's only voted for three or four people, once you get to that round, you just set those ballots aside. You don't throw them out, but you just set them aside because there's nothing to count. Right. So nothing right. gets in there, so nothing gets counted. So, yeah, I, I guess I've just seen from behind the scenes and seen some some concerns that I have with it. Um, yeah. yeah, it just, it is interesting. And I, I also feel that a lot of the anxiety that I have with ranked choice voting is the, the who is driving it, who's pushing it, the money behind it, and the fair vote. Do you want to address anything with fair vote? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so fair vote is a national organization. They have two objectives. One of them is ranked choice voting. The other is a national popular vote, which is an end run around the Electoral College. Uh, that's a huge red flag to me. And it would be one thing if they had, you know, 15 priorities and one was ranked choice voting and one was national popular vote. And then they also had ending world hunger and, you know, all this other stuff, right, that, that we could agree on. Right. But this right. is an organization yeah. that I disagree with 100 percent on national popular vote. Right. So then I have to ask myself, well, so why are they? I mean, because they don't seem related at all. Right. National popular vote, ranked choice. They don't seem at all related. Why? You know, and, and the people behind it are the Rockefellers, the Ford Foundation, Joyce Foundation, Soros's Open Society. Why are they spending money to push ranked choice voting and not national popular vote together? So here's one one theory. I don't know. Um, Ranked choice voting, because the order in which things are eliminated matters. You can't just have, you know, Utah County add up their votes and Salt Lake County add up theirs and Davis add up theirs. And, oh, we get this winner at the governor's race. Right. All of the votes throughout the entire state of Utah would have to be consolidated and tallied at one centralized location. We're going to be right back and we will finish. Well, stay with us.
welcome back. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Mom Show. I'm your host, Elaine England. We have Liberty Mom Wendy Hart with us. And so sorry to interrupt you, Wendy. So finish that thought. Okay, so all of your votes have to be tallied in one centralized location, right, for ranked choice voting. So in a statewide race like governor, they're all tallied probably by the lieutenant governor's office, okay? So there's a separation of powers issue there. Now, if you were able Especially to... Especially if the lieutenant runners, if the lieutenant governor is running for governor or <laughs> lieutenant governor. There you go. Oh, um, so so yeah, if, if you're going to... I mean, there just are no checks and balances on, on a system like that. So if you remove the electoral college from the constitution and you are able to have a single national popular vote for president, every presidential ballot would have to be centrally tallied throughout the entire nation if you're doing ranked choice voting. So um, I just refer you to Maricopa and say, is that, I mean, because there, there may be problems with elections. They may not be fraudulent. They may just be human error, right? Or you may have a, 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 a faulty process or something like that. The distributed way of counting ballots in individual neighborhoods actually is has an inherent um, security measure that centralizing that counting just can't duplicate. And so, again, it goes back to it may be more convenient. It may be faster. But, um, you know, that's that's not what freedom's about. You know, I think it was Jefferson, I'll, I'll, I'll butcher it, but he said that he would rather be, be um, assaulted with the pains of too much liberty as opposed to too little liberty. And, and I yes. think that's what we need to look at with, with voting. Yes. yes, and I so agree with him. I'll take on the, the risk of too much liberty versus not enough. And, you mm-hmm. know, I, the, the founders were such wise geniuses when it came to the Electoral College. I mean, I am so grateful they they saw this. Like, they didn't have that many big cities at the time. Yeah. I mean, they did have big cities, but it wasn't, like, overwhelming. Like, now the big cities have a certain mentality. They It is interesting how the whole way that people think when they live in a big city is so different than people live in rural communities. And the founders didn't want the rural communities or the small states to run and govern the big states nor did they want the big states or the big cities to run and govern over the small cities, towns, and rural areas. And I just, they, I love the Electoral College. It is such a genius plan. It is just brilliant. And it's just such, such wisdom in it. And what you're saying is basically ranked choice voting can come to eliminate our Electoral College without a constitutional amendment without even casting a vote, without the states even coming together to do it. Yeah, there is a potential for that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And and I think where ranked choice voting waters down that idea of consent, um, you're going to be able to get more lukewarm candidates elected and people won't know where they stand because you're, you're not going to campaign on principles. Uh, you're going to campaign on, can I get your second vote or your third vote? Yes. And so it, again, it waters down that dialogue. And so they'll be able to get more people in without people really knowing who they're voting for. And that will allow for greater change at the national level, sadly, I'm afraid. Yeah, and at the state level. Yeah, as well, well yeah, as a local absolutely. level too, obviously. But mm-hmm. yes, I and I'm not saying that 
if we adopt ranked choice voting, it's going to eliminate the electoral college, but it does water down and it does kind of open the door for mm-hmm. that to kind of lay the groundwork. And I think it is important for us to kind of be aware. And as we can see how much our country has changed, not by it, it, all, all of a sudden huge things, it's just been by kind of attrition just gradually and, and slowly. Mm-hmm. And I just think we need to be really, really careful. So thank you so much for this great information on ranked choice voting, Wendy. It's um, just really fascinating. And I just think people, I really encourage everyone to really do your due diligence. I think we do. I love what you said about look at the ties and connections, who's funding it, who's behind it, who's pushing it. Why are they pushing it? What is in it for them? Why would they pour so much money into it? Um, Do you want them to, to change and to create our um, election system. And so that I always look at the follow the money, yeah, look at the yeah. ties and connections, look at who's, because there's a lot of really sweet sounding talking points. Everybody wants an efficient system. Everybody wants, we all want to save time. I'm always trying to save time. So I, I do appreciate that, but we need to look at what the unintended or very intended consequences are to it. Yeah. Can I throw out one last thing? Yes, please do. Okay. One, yes, one other argument that people say uh, that's very appealing is that, well, you know, we're sick and tired of having to vote for the lesser of two evils as a mm-hmm. candidate. Right. right. So, but I, I would point out that every single person who has ever run for public office can be classified as the lesser of two evils. And, and furthermore, the fact that I vote for my lesser of two evils candidate second, does that mean that I didn't vote for them? You know, and again, it goes back to that strategy. If I choose to take a stand and vote third party as an example, and I am willing to live with the consequences, you don't stand on principle and have it not be consequential, right? right. If you can have your cake Always. and eat it too, then you're not really standing on principle, right? Right. So I either have to choose to vote third party as an example and be willing Mm -hmm. to let the chips fall where they may, or I'm going to strategize and I'm going to say, no, this other person is much worse than the other person. And so I want this person, even if they're not my ideal candidate. Honestly, you're never going to get your ideal candidate unless you run for office yourself, which isn't such a bad idea for most people. They should probably do it. Um, I think- but Good advice. We would be more well served by more average people being able to run for office, but ranked choice voting won't allow for that. Um, it, it won't facilitate that the way that they claim it will. That is such an excellent point. I love that because that's that's very true, and and I think most of us most of us would really agree. I think the general population would agree. We want to have um, not over not only voter integrity, but we would like to have. Um, just regular people, we the people. We want to be represented by we the people yeah. who are just the regular, ordinary citizens. Uh, we want to be represented, and we want to be represented by our own, mm-hmm. by similar people. So, well, since I have you on, Wendy, and you were school board member extraordinaire, and you know very much about education. I know you're a math whiz, but... I would like to talk and pick your brain for a moment about critical race theory. Um, It's just very interesting how critical race theory has kind of taken the nation by storm. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting. I mean, it really promotes activism, but it promotes under the guise of racial justice. It's really doing that over academics. It's kind of taken over 
really academic in education. It's like, right. it's completely, right. oh my, completely, but it's ever so much replaced it. And um, it's, I'm, as a teacher myself, I'm super fascinated that, and as an American, I'm fascinated that there are people that live in our country that are regular people that don't see any problems with critical race theory. Mm-hmm. It's so fascinating to me. So what's interesting is if you go back through um, educational literature, this has been a theme for decades. And um, there, there was a guy by the name of Paulo Freire who wrote a book that like virtually everybody read in the colleges of education. And it is this idea of the oppressed and the oppressor, right? Right. And, and the oppressed and the oppressor is straight up Marxism. That is how you're going to generate the social change. Um, The difficulty, though, is is the idea that we could create a perfectly equal society. Um, You can't can't have an equal society of outcomes because people are so different. You know, you mentioned mentioned the math. Okay, I love math, but I I hate English, right? Right, I love English, hate math. So how do we make us equal in our outcomes just on English and math, well, you can't, you can't. So what that requires us to do is to have some individual or group that determines what equality looks like. And then just by the virtue of having a separate group that is determining what equality looks like and how that's going to be enforced, because you would have to enforce it. There's no way around it. You would have to enforce it. You have thereby created a stratified society of those in charge and then the peons that are subject to them. So you will never be able to create a perfectly equal society and it, that's equal in, in outcomes. And, Absolutely. So, and, and that's it's, the goal of Marxism. Yeah, and it is impossible. And it all it does is take everyone's liberties away. Mm-hmm. Remember, thank you for being with us one day. Remember that you are the guardian of your liberty. Have a beautiful day. Thanks for being with us.